0: Welcome to the 14th episode of the PSPA podcast. I'm Liz Sturgis, a PSPA volunteer, and today we'll be talking about the PSPA helpline and how the helpline team can support you and your family. Jules Brown, the PSPA helpline manager, is here today with us to share some insight into the helpline support. Welcome, Jules. Hi, Liz. Tell us
1: a little bit about yourself to start with and what the helpline at PSPA does. Okay, so um, I'm the Helpline Manager. I wear two hats. I'm a Helpline Manager slash Helpline Care Navigator. Um, uh, I've worked for PSPA now for um, just over eight years, and just a little bit of history. When I first started, it was about 18 months to two years in from the introduction of the Helpline for PSPA, um, and there were two of us. Um, There are now five, so we have grown fairly rapidly and um, probably in time we'll grow even further hopefully with the uh, amount of calls that we start to seem to be getting. Um, So the helpline at PSPA, it's multifaceted. Um, We're not a call centre, although we do take calls and I suppose that's our our bread and butter, taking calls, Mm -hmm. um, talking to people about PSP, talking to people about caring issues, talking to people about anything that they want to talk about really that's Influencing the lives that they're living on with uh, PSP or CBD Um, we also respond to emails Uh, we get quite a lot of emails in and out, Uh, I think, following on from the pandemic for a lot of people that's a choice that they're making um, because they've got more accustomed to technology yeah. Um, We. Uh, proactively contact people as well, living with um, PSP and CBD. So when people come to us initially, we'll have a, a chat, a conversation, find out about them. And if they want, that we'll continue to contact them periodically through the year, maybe every three or six months, most probably depending on what they want from us, just to say hello, remind them we're here and see if there's any ongoing work we can do for them. That ongoing work could be anything from supporting them with a referral to uh, an allied healthcare professional, such as an occupational therapist or a physiotherapist or a speech and language therapist. with sometimes a conduit between themselves and the Parkinson's nurse specialist. Yeah. Um, we often can get hold of them maybe when somebody living with the condition can't um, because we sort of have a sneaky way in to their private email addresses. Um, we also um, facilitate support grants and voice banking funding requests as well. Okay. Um, people will come to us for those. Um, oh, gosh, it feels like that's not everything we do, but I think there's probably more which will come out in the conversation as we go forward, Liz. It's it's yeah. difficult yeah. to pinpoint exactly what we do. Really. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that you've covered quite a lot of... Mm-hmm.
0: of of, of that haven't you and I was just thinking as you were talking about people emailing um mm-hmm. that presumably for people who are working that is easier perhaps they can do it at half past nine at night or um you know before they go to work um, so can you just tell us what time the helpline calls call phone call um and are open
1: yeah. Okay. So we're, we're open from nine or there will be a helpline care navigator available from nine in the morning till 9pm at night. Um, PSPA staff work from 9am in the morning till 7pm at night. And then we're really lucky to have a, a band of very dedicated evening helpline volunteers who man the helpline for us between 7pm and 9pm every evening. They are a fantastic listening ear. And I know that people often ring them just really to unburden themselves, um, my mum used to say empty their budget, um, just have a chat, be that, that wall to bang the, the heads on. From a practical point of view, if you'd like us to contact a, a, an allied health professional or make a referral for you, then it's 9am it's to 7pm that you will need to contact a member of staff. But you're right, Liz, myself this morning, I came into work and I had uh, two emails. One was sent at quarter past five this morning, the other one at quarter to seven. So I think it's often if you've got a question, it pops into your head. If you can jot it down in an email and send it off, even if you know it most probably won't be answered for a couple of hours, then it's done. And
0: yeah.
1: especially when you're caring for somebody with PSP or CBD. Um, if it pops into your head and you don't deal with it there immediately you'll get into that work that you're going to do in caring for somebody helping them together making their breakfast popping a load of washing on and moving forward and the question it goes and it yes. might not come back again so the joy of email is yes people can get us 24 hours a day seven days a week if they want to do so. And you mentioned that um you described the helpline as not a call centre
0: there's a, a you're a small team. Does that mean that people will always be able to speak to the same person as who would know the history, perhaps? Or yes. do they to speak to whoever answers the phone?
1: So we answer the phone in what we call, we, well, it bounces, is what we call it. So um, every week I will um, organise that the phone will um, be answered by every member of the team at any given point in time. So when the phone rings, it'll go to the first person on that bounce, it'll move across to the next person, to the next person, because People may well be on the phone, but whoever you get through to, if you've already got a relationship with a member of the team, um, let's say that they've spoken to myself before and they'd like to speak to me again or to Cathy or to Deborah or to Marianne before, simply need to ask the person who answers the phone if you can speak to them, provided we're not on another call, we can be; they can be put through. So, yeah, if you want to speak to the same person each time, you can. Absolutely, that's not a problem. And outside of those hours, is there an answer phone? There is, yeah, Yeah. absolutely, yeah. And please, I would always encourage people to leave us a message on the answer phone. We make it our policy that we do respond to those answer phone messages within 24 hours. Only exception being over the weekend, obviously, or if there was a bank holiday. So if somebody were to leave us a message on a Saturday morning, it would be Monday before we responded to it, but we will definitely respond to it on the next working day. Fantastic.
0: So, what would you say were the top three topics people
1: ring the helpline about and I bet it won't be three I bet it will be no there's not three uh, <laughs> I said it's really tricky I saw this question when when um when uh, we were talking about starting to do this podcast and I thought which three shall I pick um, because any day of the week it's a different three um mm. I think the biggest thing that we talk to people about is it a topic I don't know if it's a topic it's just a People who are caring for somebody living with a diagnosis of PSP or CBD are are travelling the road with them. It affects them equally, but in a very different way. And often it's hard for people who are caring to to open up, honestly, maybe to people around them um, because they worry about what reaction they're going to get from other people. So a lot of the time what we're doing is letting people who are caring for somebody living with these conditions just talk, just to be there. And it may start, our conversations are often people ringing up and saying, I I don't know why I'm ringing really, but I think I should. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the call will develop from there. And before you know where we are, we've discussed continuing healthcare funding, we've discussed uh, non-means tested benefits, we've discussed where you can go to um, do some sitting down yoga, or uh, where you may be able to buy a um, twisty sheet to put underneath somebody's bottom where they want to get in and out of the car to make life easier. So I think from a topic point of view, it's difficult to say because people often don't ring with one particular reason. That's... They'll bring sort of speculatively, but we do get an awful lot of calls about continuing healthcare funding, about how to how to decide which nursing home or care home would be most suitable yeah. for their loved one. Um, and we're not there to tell people what to do, we're there to enable them to come to a decision Um, and people often find that just by talking to us and weighing up the pros and cons within that conversation they knew the answer they wanted they just weren't quite able to voice it Mm -hmm. so I think I often say I think the most important thing we do is listen that's the most important thing we do that's our our top topic it's not something people will ring about because they don't realize that's what they're ringing about but yeah I think that's mostly Not really a answering your question, but sort of there or thereabouts. Sort of it, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think often carers of carers in any situation, caring for anybody with any condition, needs it needs somebody outside the family to talk to, don't they? Because they have concerns that they don't want to trouble the family with, and mm-hmm.
1: I guess
0: the helpline can help with with as you say being a good listener in those circumstances.
1: Yeah. We're a safe space. We're yes. non-judgmental. We're not here to tell people they're right or they're wrong. We're here to allow them to voice a thought and often by the time they've voiced that thought once it's out it's fine Mm. it's it it helps them to be able to do that and the things you just mentioned
0: um the kind of um, uh, topics around being carers and general general topics do you get a lot of requests for information about PSP and CBD the condition you know are people newly diagnosed and
1: don't know where to turn and Yes. have looked you up on a search engine? Yeah, we do. People often look us up on the internet. They are directed to us by um, neurologists and other healthcare professionals. Um, I think often when you are first diagnosed with PSP or CBD, um, you know, people are sitting in a, in a room with a neurologist, maybe a nurse, um, generally somebody who's caring for them, a family member, and, and the news is imparted upon them and maybe they they hear the word progressive supranuclear palsy or cortical basal degeneration and then their ability to take in everything else sometimes is, is a little bit hampered because they're processing what they've just heard. So often yeah. people will come to us fairly quickly after diagnosis and say, What is it, this PSP, this CBD? What have I got? So I suppose going back a bit to your top topics, another important thing we do is we explain to people, in layman's terms most probably, because we're not medically trained, what PSP or what CBD is, what the progression may look like if that's what they want to know, but we're guided by what they ask us. We're not here to um, tell them something they don't want to know. No. Or well, at that point, they don't need to know. Everybody takes things at their own point. But yes, we do spend a lot of time explaining the nuances of PSP and CBD to people. Um, we obviously do that verbally, but we do always back that up by sending them written information as well, because okay. again, there's only so much you can take in in a phone call before sure. you you reach full. Um, so so we we will do that, and and we we pride ourselves of being prepared to answer some of the more difficult questions we don't know some answers but we're prepared to be honest with people and tell them you know an answer if that's what they they would like to hear
0: Um, so jules you mentioned about people calling about Um, benefits and also about continuing healthcare funding can you just mention briefly a little bit how you might support people with those those sorts of queries
1: okay yeah absolutely um obviously with continuing healthcare we have the specific fact sheets that I've already mentioned we are also able to offer a, a supportive statement for people to use so often when people are making an application for continuing healthcare funding they need to build um sort of folder of, of, not of evidence, but of information about how the condition affects the person. And it can be really useful to provide an overview of what PSP is or what CBD is. We have a a, a one-page statement, which we tweak to the individual, of course, it's not uh, bog standard, uh, that discusses what the progression might look like and what areas people would need to maybe um, focus on when they're when they're making that application so we can provide that and we do that an awful lot of the time and we've had a really good response from healthcare professionals making the assessment to say it's very helpful we um, we also can offer supportive statement for somebody when they're making an application let's say for a blue badge a lot of people find the blue badge forms quite confusing um, because they ask if you can walk a certain distance a lot of people can but they have to do that maybe with support it may take them a long time so we will talk through talk through with people how they go about making that application in the best possible way to ensure they only have to make it once and again we can offer a supportive statement to, to go with that which is another way of Ensuring one hopes usually that they actually manage to gain the blue badge, and the same with uh, non means tested benefits, disability benefits, which people may or may not have heard of, such as uh, personal independence payment or attendance allowance. They have very notoriously long forms, which are many pages long 27, 30 pages long. Uh, we can arrange for somebody to support people living with the condition, to complete those forms through a partnership we've got with the Department of Work and Pensions. It's very simple. If we speak to somebody about it, they only need to provide us with their um, their contact details and their national insurance number. We can make that referral. Somebody will either go to their home or offer them a virtual appointment and complete the form for them. So they don't have to do the writing. They just have to talk about what goes on in their life. And obviously, the people from the DWP are professionals. This is what they do. They understand how the forms work. And yeah. again, with the addition of a statement from us about the condition and overview, generally, people are far more successful at only having to make an application once, which can only be good because it's less stress, it's less worry, and also, obviously, um, it's much better for people who may be living on their own and don't have somebody to help them complete the form yes so I'd always urge people if they're considering making an application for these benefits to give us a call because we're happy to talk through the form and what it might look like and that removes some of the worry and the concern that people might have when they're about to make an application and also if we can arrange for somebody to support them with it then it makes the whole thing a I wouldn't like to say a more enjoyable experience but certainly a less demanding experience for
0: you. I think you've already answered this question. What do you
1: think callers to the helpline appreciate most from the team? Yes. Okay, I, th- I think time is the thing that they appreciate the most. And the the knowledge that when they speak to us, that whilst none of us have had a relative living with PSP or CBD, because we have a wealth of experience having come from a variety of backgrounds, be it social care, social work, working for other charities or on other helplines, we have an understanding of what life is like for people living with PSP and for people who are caring for somebody with PSP. And often because these are not widely known about conditions, Some people like to use the word rare. We often say they're not widely known about. Because of that, they come across people out in the community who may have limited experience of PSP and CBD. And people have to remember that here on the helpline, all we do is PSP and CBD (laughs) every day. And I think people appreciate that when they speak to us, we get what they're talking about. We, we, We have an understanding and that gives them the space And the time to have the conversations with us and know that we are actually acknowledging and understanding what they're talking about. And I think that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah. And I think also, as you mentioned earlier, listening. Mm. There isn't a time limit to the call, is there? No. And you're quite happy to just listen.
1: Yeah, and the call develops. We sometimes prompt it. We can tell if people want to talk and we can tell if people don't. If some people ring up and they've just got one question, they want it answering and off they go. Other people, it starts quite muddled and all of a sudden, after 15 minutes, they ask the question they rang up for. So yeah. we have to give people the time and the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Using the telephone for pe- for some
0: people can be difficult. Either they have an anxiety about using the telephone or phoning somebody they don't know. But for people with PSP or CBD, there can be a problem around their voice going. Um, Do you ever take calls from people with the conditions and how do you cope with those difficulties of communication?
1: Yeah, we we take plenty of calls from people living with PSP and CBD. and, And you're right, communication becomes quite difficult for people. And also the phone isn't always the the most sensible medium for them to use, but it's the only one that they have at that point in time. So again, we take time. Um, For me, I've worked here for eight years. I can negotiate people with PSP and CBD. You learn to listen very carefully. And sometimes one word will be enough to get people going. And you often find as well that if they've been on the phone to you for a few minutes that anxiety or that that concern about making the call starts to fade and Mm. then all of a sudden the clarity reappears yeah biggest problem i think for people with psp and cbd when they ring us is is uh fatigue the calls are not long but we can ring them back and we often do we'll say to them you know i can hear in your voice you're getting quite tired now shall i ring you back in a couple of hours and if they want us to we will do so that's no problem
0: brilliant so it's not just for carers no family members it's for people with the conditions as well fantastic Absolutely.
1: and sometimes sorry Liz to add on, um, people will ring us and use the um the loudspeaker facility on their telephones yeah So maybe uh, a carer might make the initial call but the person with PSP or CBD is there in the room and joining in um and certainly listening and, and gaining a benefit from the call but they may only say one or two words but okay. we know they're there so we can yeah. talk directly to them That's great. It means everybody can be included. Mm, Of course.
0: Fantastic. So, Jules, you mentioned about offering support to healthcare professionals by the Helpline team. Um, Which ways could you describe that you'd support them?
1: Okay, so, um, yes, I suppose it's another string to our bow as it is. As you would say, as far as healthcare professionals are, because equally importantly, is supporting people living with PSP and CBD, um, that support is direct to the people living with the condition. But by supporting healthcare professionals, we are also indirectly supporting people with PSP and of course, yeah. CBD. Um, obviously, as a charity, we want to improve the awareness and the knowledge of PSP and CBD across all parts of, of sort of the health healthcare and social care uh, across the country, it's a big ask. Um, our little bit at the helpline is to ensure that people who are supporting people living with PSP and CBD in the communities, and that may be uh, neurologists, GP, allied health professionals, as I said before, such as a physio or OT or speech and language therapist, Parkinson's disease, nurses, and people who are actually doing the physical caring for people living with PSP and CBD. So um, paid carers from care agencies okay, and people working in care homes and nursing homes as well. You know, they come across a myriad of of illnesses, conditions and symptoms, Mm -hmm. you know, and they may be supporting if you're a, a, a paid carer or you're working a carer or a nursing home, you may have, six or eight people that day that you're going to be caring for and supporting with six or eight different conditions. Yes. So knowledge is, is going to be limited. However, you know we want them to put PSP or CBD at the forefront of their mind when they're caring for the person with PSP yeah. or CBD and for them to understand the slight differences that they might need to make in order to provide the best possible care and support to them. So using our information... printed information which we do send out we're more than happy to send out what we call a professional's information pack to uh, community teams or to care homes or nursing homes or uh, care agency teams we're also very appreciative that that's a lot of information and they have not a lot of time often because the most important thing they do is caring so they will read it but they might not read all of it. So we also have other quicker ways of them finding out this information. We have an interactive resource, which is on the professional pages on our website. If People can't find that, they can give us a call on the helpline and we can direct them to it. That's no problem whatsoever. And they can create a snapshot, which is individual to the person, about symptoms and Mm. about ways to help to manage those symptoms using that interactive resource. We're also really lucky, we work in conjunction with our volunteering team here at PSPA and there are volunteer educators who can go out to care and nursing homes and offer short 15 to 20 minute education sessions to the teams there. And that works really well in conjunction with our professional pack because that means that the, the person who is living in the care home with PSP or CBD CBD is given that specialised little level of care that they might need through that education programme. Mm-hmm. And we can do that um, two or three times within a week, let's say, for different shift patterns within nursing and care homes. So people can contact us and we can help to organise that. Um, and As a helpline team, we also offer training sessions, um, often through Zoom or Teams, which is uh, another interactive virtual facility where we can join um, multidisciplinary teams in hospitals and surgeries and just give them a short, in-depth training session about PSP and CBD and also about what we do here at the helpline. And that enables people to make referrals to us and get us involved with people early on. And it also... It just... Gives the health professionals that little bit of knowledge, which when they come across somebody, they think, oh, yeah, I remember talking to that helpline care navigator and then mentioning this, this or this, and then being able then to suggest to people a good way to help to manage their symptoms. So there's there's numerous ways we support health and social care professionals. And by building those relationships, they then support us with improving our knowledge and understanding and also enable us to receive those very important referrals for people so as they're getting the right support from an earlier point in their in their journey fantastic so any
0: inquiries about any of that sort of support Mm -hmm. for health and social care professionals comes to the helpline does it absolutely yes Yeah.
1: yeah generally by email to be perfectly honest because again health professionals are time starved so they often send off a flurry of emails at the end of their working day and if they send one to us that's great and we'll give the contact details at the end of the podcast. For sure. that,
0: um, you mentioned earlier that um, when you've been talking to people on the phone about the conditions, um, that actually it's probably a lot of information to take in. A new follow up with sending out information, mm-hmm. so. Um, you help produce some of the pspa information sheets and publications as well in your role so what information do you send out the most and how can people access this information
1: okay um well we have trends actually i have to say i okay. think one of the most popular pieces of information we send out at the moment are our medical alert cards which are fantastic mm. they're uh credits credit card sized um card Uh, fit lovely into a wallet or a purse or a pocket Um, and they give a very brief overview of what PSP is or what CBD is. There's a separate one for each condition and on the back there's a strip where somebody's name can be put and people are finding that that's really helpful for people to have should they um, be on their own anywhere or say um, it's really helpful if unfortunately somebody has a fall and an ambulance has to be called because it just saves having to explain it to people. Yes. And I think people feel that's a bit of security. Um, the other piece of information I suppose that we would send out pretty often and we do send this electronically as well as um, by snail mail, by post, uh, is something called um, a personal guide to PSP. Now it's it's a tricky publication because it says to PSP. It is for people with PSP and CBD. OK, um, we have to have one sort of overarching umbrella term that is in the process of being rewritten. So um, there will be a new piece of information coming out next year. But it's it's almost like a um, little bit of a condition encyclopedia um, for people to use as a point of reference throughout their journey. So it's got a huge amount of information in there. Um, and our information sheets, I think most probably one of the most popular or one that we send out more frequently than any, any others is, our. um, I keep saying CHC and I should say, I mean, continuing healthcare funding, which is an NHS provision. Um, and we have a fact sheet, which is written actually for professionals and it gives, um, some indication of the symptoms that people living with PSP, um, experience and how they can be used when people are making an application for this funding and i think that's a really important piece of information we send that out a huge amount
0: brilliant and and you mentioned um, a piece of information for professionals do you have separate information that you send out to healthcare professionals
1: as opposed to the general public yes we do so we've got we, we've got Publications which are purely for people living with the condition, a suite of information there, and we also have a suite of information for healthcare professionals. Um, you don't have to be a healthcare professional to access the healthcare professional's <laughs> information, however they are written specifically, specifically sorry, for that audience. Um, so maybe if somebody's just been diagnosed, we sort of would maybe veer them away from it initially because mm-hmm. it's, it's more direct. Yes. It doesn't say anything different, but it says it more directly. And and it's most probably not always suitable for people. Okay.
0: And how do people get hold of this information? Do they have to contact the helpline?
1: Got a number of ways. Um, So telephoning or emailing the helpline. Absolutely. We can provide the information that way. And they can access it online on our website as well. So they can read it on the website. And they can download it in full and print it from the website if they wish to do so. Um, and we often, um, on through our social media streams, we often promote certain pieces of information. And often that's how some people come to us. That might be their initial route to the helpline um, because they've seen something on social media. They've never accessed us before, but they contact us for a piece of information and, and find that, oh, hang on, it's we'll talk to them they're not as scary as we thought they were so yeah there's there's different ways in
0: right and is there a charge for the information no none whatsoever brilliant and it's not just information that people contact the helpline for is it sometimes um they don't they don't need to be ringing you to say can i have a piece of information about this Um, They can just ring up to chat, can't they, or Mm. talk to you about other things?
1: Yes, absolutely. uh, I have many conversations with people about um, what's going on in their family at that point in time because that's what's important to them. And and I suppose, as I said earlier, that's what leads through to the real questions. And sometimes we, we need to have those conversations about everyday life to work out what exactly it is that people maybe need from us, what kind of support they need. And also, when we're ringing people back in what we call a proactive call, but those regular calls throughout the year, it's really good for us. We keep very brief notes about the conversations we have, and they are brief and they are kept confidentially. The only people who can read them are members of the helpline team. I'd like to reassure people that any call they make to us is completely confidential. We won't discuss a call with another family member or with another team member. It is it's between the person who rings and the person who's speaking to them. We keep those brief notes because when we ring them again, if they've told us that their, let's say, that their granddaughter's doing a violin recital this week, it's a really good way for us to, to um, start the conversation going again yes. and, and keep it on, on a, a very even keel initially because we, we don't want people to start off feeling that every call that they're going to get is just about their health. It's about their overall well-being. It's not just about their health.
0: Jules, you've talked about so many things. um, Supporting people with the condition and supporting their carers, supporting their family and friends and their healthcare professionals. Is there anything else that we've missed that you want to add in?
1: I think... What I'd like to do is um, anybody who listens to this podcast now is listening to my voice. Um, <laughs> I'm not the only voice on the helpline. There are five of us, and I think it would be really good to explain that each of the five of us, whilst all of us answer the phone, we all have an area of responsibility across the UK where we make those proactive, regular phone calls. Right. Um, if you can, we've we have we've carved. UK into five sizable chunks, let's put it because (laughs) it's a lot of work. And on the helpline, myself, I'm full time and I support people living in the three devolved countries, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales. So I have a fairly big geographical chunk of the country, um, but probably not the most densely populated chunk of the country. Then um, there's Kelly, if I come down the country, so Kelly is one of our part-time healthcare navigators. She works uh, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. She so- supports people in the, the north of the UK. So um, her boundary is sort of Manchester, Merseyside and up to the borders of Scotland. Okay. Um, now, if we come down again, we have Debbie who works here. She's Monday to Friday, Deborah works for us. She's got a huge chunk of the country. She's got the southern Yorkshire uh, areas. She goes into the, the Midlands and the home counties and across to Norfolk and Norwich. So it's a, it's a, it's a big old chunk. Yeah. Um, and Kathy is also full time. She's the southwest, the south coast, and uh, she also has the West Midlands. Um, and Marianne, who's the newest addition to our helpline, we're, we're really glad we've got her. She's only been with us a few months, but it's fitted in very, very well. And she has uh, London Kent, Uh, Surrey and Berkshire I believe So, but obviously she has the most densely populated area of the country if it's the geographically smaller so it's it's strange how we've carved it up Um, if anyone forgets that on the back of PSPA matters every single issue there's a copy of our map but if somebody hasn't contacted us before they're nervous about contacting us and they'd like maybe to only have to start by contacting the person who supports people in their area then please i'd I'd urge people to phone all of any of the ladies separately that's not a problem phone the number and ask for kelly if you live in north yorkshire it's no problem she'd be more than happy to talk to you and the same if you were to live in shropshire please phone for kathy Um, let's say you live in nottinghamshire you'd ring and ask for debbie or if you lived in greater london then you could phone and ask for marianne it's no problem whatsoever
0: Fantastic, uh, and all that information is on the website on the
1: magazine page as well. It is absolutely, and we are in the process of creating a um, specific page on our website which will have the map on it. But that's a work just a little bit of work in progress. You know, we can uh, we won't want to run before we can walk. We've got a lot to get organised.
0: And this podcast is, you know, out there in the in the ether. Um, mm-hmm. If anybody's listening outside the UK. Can they
1: contact the helpline as well? Yeah, they're more than welcome to contact us. And we do get quite a lot of emails from people who don't live within the UK. Um, obviously, we're limited as to the support we can provide because our knowledge is UK-based only. Yes, um, However, it doesn't mean to say that people who live uh, outside of the UK can't access the information on our website and it doesn't mean that the information specific to PSP and CBD, the symptom management, the progression is is the same wherever you live. However, obviously the information about accessing health services or what's available to people living within communities will be different depending on the country in which you live. There are Other charities across the world who do support people living with PSP and CBD, there are not a lot, Mm -hmm. um, but we will signpost people to those, should there be one in the country in which they live. But no, there's no reason they can't access us. And as I say, we do get quite a lot of people ask us questions from other countries.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks, Jules. It's been really useful to hear about the different inquiries people can get in touch with the helpline about. Mm -hmm. So, just a reminder the helpline is open 9 till 9, Monday to Friday, Mm -hmm. and the phone number is 0300 011 0122, or the email helpline at (laughs) PSPassociation.org.uk.